Good day, listeners. Just a heads up on this episode that we had a lot of fun recording um, near the second half of the interview with Reagan. When discussing her most recent project, Head of a Gorgon, we do touch on some more sensitive topics such as sexual abuse and rape. It is not discussed in great detail, but it is a central part of the Medusa myth, so it, it comes up a couple times in the discussion. That's it for this editor's note. We hope you enjoy this really fun episode. And I don't want to be the reason you're explicit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I could drop a beep in there. I know how to do that. Yeah. So that'd be fun. <laughs> that'd be fun. Or just yeah. like Morgan. Rhyme free, it doesn't matter to me. It's my bad. Poetry. Good day, and welcome to My Bad Poetry, a podcast where we normally hear one of my bad poems from high school, but today is one of our special and hopefully now reoccurring episodes featuring real poets sharing their bad poetry. Today we are joined by Reagan Petruja, an editor, writer, consultant, educator, who has done many things and written a bunch of stuff in her 40-some years of living, including even worse books than the hot garbage poems you are about to hear. Granted, she wrote those in the second grade. I assure you, since her work in elementary school, the resume she has collected is probably one she herself would be impressed to edit. Her upcoming poetry collection, Head of Gorgon, is out this month. Reagan, we are thrilled to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And actually, I just remembered, I uh, I, I dug out that uh, second grade book. I just oh, you, gosh. I did, <laughs> took screenshots. <laughs> and now I can't find the screenshots. But I, I thought of it. And I was like, Oh, my God, that would I just found it. That would be hilarious. It's like shorter than a poem. <laughs> but if you guys really, really want some hot second grade garbage <laughs> bring that as well you call them you call them books um are are, are they narrative in structure or well, i mean as much as a, a second grader can provide narrative structure <laughs> okay so i was always i was in second grade and my teacher at the time miss buckman had us all put together these stories that were like written and illustrated and by Ooh. illustrated i mean crayon stick figures right um you know by us you know so and then she, what she did was she took the pages and, and she would actually um she would type our words. So like we presumably wrote them. I, I don't remember the whole process, but I know I, di I didn't know how to use a typewriter. So I know sure. somebody else typed the words, right. but I wrote the words. And then <laughs> I drew on those typewritten pages, um, which there were like, you know, four or five. And then that was the book, right? She laminated like the, the construction uh, paper front and back that we also drew on, you know, and, and then put those those plastic ring binder oh, things yeah. on them. <sighs> totally like 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. That's amazing. Nice. Yeah. Well, to get us into the realm of poetry. <laughs> We have about a second grade level of poem coming our way. Dave! That is very unfair to second graders. <laughs> there are many second graders who can write better than me. Okay, let's hear it. I actually, 
so this is a little silly. I uh, I started writing a, a poem like two days ago, and I actually kind of like what I was writing. And so I'm like, no, I can't bring that to the podcast. That's not my job here. <laughs> um, but I've got I've got one that really fits with uh, my aesthetic here. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, I have a, a newborn daughter. She's a, a a little over a month old now. So oh, this congratulations. is oh thanks yeah. Um, this is a poem about uh, about having a baby. It's a, a haiku. Gently rocking slow, white noise carries forth to sleep. Neighbors hear my snores. <laughs> uh, I wrote this one in the hammock this afternoon because I was uh, supposed to be being useful and uh, getting my daughter to sleep, but instead I fell asleep in the hammock <laughs> and one of my neighbors walked by and heard me snoring. Oh my gosh. Amazing. <sighs> Can we just mention that you still pronounce hammock wrong? Uh, hammock? Yeah, that was, that's the weirdest thing. Hammock? Yeah. You're mean, Aaron. That You're should mean. be something you work into a poem and try to rhyme with like sock or something. <laughs> and everyone else will be confused. That'll be fair. That'll work. This is your second haiku in a row, Dave. You're, I know. You're in a row. I know. I'm in a I'm in a creative rut. I'll work on that. Reagan, uh, you are uh, an editor. Do you have any notes for Dave on on this this haiku of his? Yeah, this the snoring part, the, the shift to the snoring part on uh, the the speaker's part, where the focus just you know kind of goes in that direction is an interesting turn in such a short space. <laughs> <laughs> Dave always likes to subvert expectations, so I think he'll take that as a compliment. I saying subvert expectations is different because I really slide right under that bar of expectations. <laughs> I am a limbo dancer for expectations in my poetry. Oh man. Well, um, Reagan, we are very excited. Uh, when we were lucky enough to book you for the show, you said that you have a binder full of poems, which reminds me so much of my wolf journal. I, um, I, I'm just over the moon. So this is from your freshman year of undergrad or? Yeah, so basically I, okay, amongst other things, uh, one of the main things that I hoard <laughs> is my past writing. I, I just, I don't know why I think it started in second grade. <laughs> um, but I like, if I've written something, I, I don't want to like lose track of it. It's almost like a, I guess like a per, you know, cause they say you're not supposed to compare yourself to other people, but you're supposed to look back and reflect on your growth as a human being. Sure, and sure. so how do you do that? Unless you hoard everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have my second grade books and I, I started um, in college. I, I also have somewhere and, and I know I have it somewhere, but I, I just don't, I'd have to like go dig through like bins or boxes somewhere, mm -hmm. but um, a, a journal from high school, but uh, I really, in earnest, started uh, collecting my my writing in college and undergrad. And so I started off in fiction, um, but I also you take fiction and poetry workshops usually in undergrad mm -hmm. of creative writing. So I have all of that 
collected into this giant binder. Um, so everything that I, I wrote in a, in a workshop from my freshman through my senior year of undergrad, I have in this binder. And, and, and keep in mind, like this was before, like really, I mean, like my first email address was an undergrad. Like I didn't oh, even wow, know. This, sure. so this is like a while back. This is like back in the late nineties, um, early two thousands. So, you know, you, you didn't, have a lot of the tools like I, I realize like I'm super ancient like <laughs> saying that I'm, I'm aging myself here which is fine I'm in my 40s okay wow. um it is what it is but I I then later on realized when you know more tools became available that I I really wanted to have this stuff from the binder and more than just like a binder that could burn right sure that hoarding thing so I, uh, I, I took, I, I, I did some research. I was calling at the time I was living in Las Vegas. So I'm calling around these places, like trying to figure out like who would actually like take this binder of hot garbage and digitize it in such a way that it would be searchable. And I found someone to do it. I mean, granted I had to pay them, but I was like, I need to be able to search this hot garbage. Like this is like hundreds and hundreds of pages. And I might need some of this garbage one day, like if only to make myself feel better for the new garbage I'm writing. Uh, so so I, I had it digitized. And I remember when I came to pick up this, they, they put it on this like massive hard drive. Like it was, it's a flash drive, but it had like Uber storage, like a couple terabytes on it. And I was wow. like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, oh my God, this was like the key to the kingdom, right? right. And the people there, when I came to pick, cause you pick up the, the binder, you pick up the materials that they, they, uh, they scan and then you pick up the digitized version. And, you know, a couple of them were like smirky. <laughs> and then one of them was like, I liked your writing. And I was like, okay, so like, this is like a boundary here. <laughs> you weren't supposed to like pay attention to what you were scanning just because it's not like medical documents or like legal, you know, advice or something like didn't give you the right or like the permission to like go through and read my hot garbage. But since, since then I, I felt exposed and I figure, you know, hey, if I'm already exposed, I might as well be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, these, these are the exact type of poems we are looking for and um you've brought us three just <laughs> chef's kiss i mean they're they're really good so uh, uh i don't know do you want to um i i'm fine with you re reading any one of these three uh i think it, we definitely have to address in this room um okay my first like attempt at goth poem so yes. like yeah so, my yeah. Maybe we maybe we dive into that. Are are you willing to um to read for us in this room? Of course, and I am gonna do my best not to laugh as I do. <laughs> Trust me, it, it sometimes it takes me multiple takes. So. Oh yeah. All right, we're gonna be serious now. Yeah. Okay. This is in this room. In here, in this room, no one dusts the corners. The dark edges where filmy, flimsy cobwebs like dreams in an attic lie. In here, in this room, a smell of mildew hangs like hair, dingy from sweated out thoughts covering an unnoticed face like tears. In here, in this room, nothing is heard but the slow, steady sound of silence. 
growing like moss until it covers the ear in a growl. In here, the air is warm, but not like a mother's arms. In here, the space is wooden, ineffectual, dusty and dirty with antiques of past hurts, scars of green, browned with rust. See, look, in here is where I sit. That corner, pay attention, is where my shoulders mold to the wall in a broken V. No, look, this is where you will see the real me. In here, head bent, too small to find a fitting compartment. You can see the real me. Look. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so oh, God. It, it's so, so God. So deep. <laughs> so, Aaron and I both loved uh, some pop punk when we were younger. And that this is very pop punk. I'm hearing... My Chemical Romance in this. Yeah. This is good. Oh, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> You've got the emo flair here. Yes. <laughs> so could you describe for us um, maybe some context, if you remember at all, what oh, might yeah. have inspired this? Yeah. So basically, like, during that time, I had, like, the crappy boyfriend, first love guy. And so, like, pretty much everything in some way, shape, or form related to that, like, mm -hmm relation s-h-i-p <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. um so yeah i mean this is just like you know I, I think a lot of that part of my life was about feeling misunderstood feeling unseen seen in the wrong way i mean again like very like goth emo type emotions that most people have i think in their teens and early 20s um, but they don't turn out to be poets, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> oh. Did, did, oh, sorry. Go, Dave. No, you're, you're good, Aaron. Did you have a room? Like, I'm sorry. I, I've, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. Where this, I just went to be goth and yeah, myself. Is this, is this all? <laughs> this is, this... is my goth room. Nobody <laughs> else is allowed in here. Okay, I need to brood. Yeah. Is this all metaphorical? Like, is this like the mind, or did you have a like, uh, like a, an old musty room in mind? I'm just very curious for this. No, I mean, there's no, the, the room is is just simply a really awful metaphor. Oh man, that makes it so much better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm especially struck by this image. I'm not exactly sure what it means. So. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but like, I probably don't either. Okay. <laughs> like moss until it covers the ear in a growl. So the silence is is growing overwhelmingly. It, it kind of reminds me of the the oxymoron that we have in in English, um, a deafening silence, mm -hmm. like a mossy growl. I, it's, mossy I don't growl. know it. it it's it's interesting it's definitely unique <laughs> yeah i mean and and i you know again kind of going with that sort of like gothy emo like theme where you know it's got to be edgy but also like you know i guess poetic <laughs> i guess so you got <laughs> you got the nature imagery but you got the growl <laughs> yeah nature growls Nature yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nature rages my next collection. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. I liked the I liked the whole stanza before it, actually. 
the the smell of mildew hangs like hair uh dingy from sweated out thoughts covering an unnoticed face like tears <laughs> i like again i fully recognize that i am a product of pop punk and like that emo-ness and a, as much as i move away from it and now i'm 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 a a mature man but man that sounds cool like it, it's... <laughs> oh gosh so you had a crappy boyfriend more than one but this was you know during a particular time sure you're you have this kind of this insert of pay attention it's like are you feeling that you you weren't being heard at that point or yeah i mean i think that just women generally struggle to feel heard at any age and pretty much every environment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think especially when you're in a relationship with somebody who um, you feel doesn't understand you or like really see you for what you are, which is, I mean, admittedly, I mean, when you're young, it's tricky, right? Because you, you barely even know who you are, but mm. You know, I, so I, I'm not, look, I'm not like trying to like bash my ex-boyfriend or something sure, like that. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's no just, you know, away. it is what Come it is. Like, but, um, but, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, maybe even back then my expectations were a little high. Um, <laughs> uh, expecting somebody who I, I, I mean, who knows, maybe to this day, he doesn't understand himself, let alone other people, or maybe he does. And, and, you know, I don't know, cause that person's not in my life anymore, but, hmm. you know, I, I do think that there's part of it that is very much just like a reflection of the self. Like I, I find in a lot of my writing, even back then, it's like, you know, this sort of seeking to be understood and heard, you know, not just as a woman, but as like just a human being. Yeah. Um, and the more that I understand myself, it's interesting because the more that I feel the need to call for that understanding in my writing. Mm -hmm. And that I think is really, really escalated and um, heightened in my uh, head of a Gorgon work. Yeah, I, I see that coming up in the end here. You get, this is where you will see the real me. Exactly what you said, that call for, for someone to just understand you or to look beyond kind of the, the surface level, like assumptions. Um, oh, yeah. And that's also really hard for dudes in their 20s. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I don't know if there's... Um, oh, one other, one other image while I'm looking back at it. Again, I don't know if this was intentional at all, but you had like musty and moss. And then you had this image, my shoulders mold into the wall in a broken V. And I could just see someone crouched in the corner, but also the word mold kind of almost had that double meaning where it's like the musty mold and yet you're like melted. I, I, that, that one I, I like just straight out. I like that image. And I think too, like that, that really, you, when you hear the sound for me that that's I can tell you now looking back that that was what guided that placement right the, mm. I I'm a huge fan of assonance of the, yes. the um, vowel repetition um so yeah my my earliest work <laughs> in assonance can be seen in in this room <laughs> behold <laughs> my shoulders mold to the wall <laughs> I am I am curious um 
before we dive into another one, uh, were these poems, you said they were written while you were in your, your undergrad. Were these poems ones that were edited, turned in, maybe had? Yeah. So, I mean, I, well, and you have to keep in mind, like back then, this was like the bomb. Like this was like what I've written was gold. Oh, <laughs> okay, it was, like it was this in is Vogue. Okay, brilliant, okay. <laughs> brilliant. And uh, so yeah, so basically, and I gave you so again the binder. What tends to happen in in writing workshops is uh, you'll submit poems on like a, like say a weekly basis. Okay. And at the end of the semester, you're expected to turn in a portfolio of revisions of those poems that you turned in at various points during the semester. Hmm. And so these poems, the ones that I sent to you were the original form before any feedback, before any revision. And so then I had to turn them into something else, like revise them in some way before turning them in for the final uh, portfolio and grading. But yeah, I mean, these, these all saw a workshop this was the original form before the the portfolio revision. So yeah, I mean, I just I assaulted my peers with these poems. <laughs> okay, just like there was no holds barred. You will be in this room with me. You will see me. <laughs> well, Dave, I picked the first one. Do you want to? Um, do we want to dive into desperation or corsage? Uh, I would say let's look at corsage. Okay. All right. Yeah. Corsage, here we go. Nobody knows the smell of the old rose, nobody but me. It is a faint trace of perfume, a yellowed ribbon where my arm once lay, a tinge of sweat from my once nervous wrist of a body you danced with. Nobody knows the feel of the old rose, nobody but me. It is a dry ribbed petal like the wrong side of the velvet it once was when you brushed it across my cheek. It crackles, crumbling now, where once it had made just a whisper. Nobody knows the taste of the old rose, nobody but me. I imagine bittersweet, but it is dusty and tasteless, where once it may have tasted like your kiss. But how could I know? For this is just an old rose that other flowers could never know. <laughs> Can I just say all I could hear in that, like the 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 reason I wanted to dig into this is nobody, nobody knows, knows the trouble I see. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm a perfect. huge baseballs fan, by the way. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, oh. Also, um, when did Kiss by a Rose come out? Oh, that would have been 89. Oh, yeah. No, so. that was that was early 90s so this okay. was 90s so that so, we're right in that range of yeah like, we got this they got space balls kissed by a rose yeah mm -hmm. it's all coming together to produce this hot garbage <laughs> uh this this one is is good um ooh. now i i'm gonna guess i'm gonna guess was this after a breakup so okay another thing about this dude um the, the boy at the time um so we had gone to a dance in high school together so like i, I don't want to give like all the morgan oh um, edit that out unless you're cool with it in which case leave it in um but basically 
so this was a guy in high school that I was friends with and I really was just friends with but then of course he like you know got a crush and then he like flipped out about it and then I was like we haven't talked about that before (laughs) like another dude at the time he was very high school right like this is like again I mean this is super relatable I'm sure for like many people yeah um so he was interested in me that way. I wasn't interested in him that way at the time. I had a boyfriend, but we had gone to a dance in school together as friends on my end. And I made that very clear when I said mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. right? But anyway, so he he gave me this corsage, right? And my mom is one of those people. So she puts my corsages in the freezer mm-hmm. and saves them for me. Like it's a mom thing. It, it just... I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a mom, so I don't know. Um, But anyway, then when later on in high school, or I mean, in college, freshman year, our paths crossed again, I was no longer with that person and, and things ended up going in that direction instead. So this is sort of like, but then it went bad. So it's like, so we got together, but then it went sour fairly quickly. So then it was like, so then you're reflecting on this corsage from when we were friends but you were interested in more but then I couldn't like I wasn't going to be with you because I was with somebody else but then later we we got together but then it 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 went south and now I'm looking at this corsage from like when we were friends but like you wanted more and and everything's crappy now so yeah (laughs) the story's even hotter garbage than the poem (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say that's a lot of context (laughs) I think that story really brings a lot to this. It also makes me feel bad for uh, girls that I went to dances with in high school as friends from <laughs> from their side and my expectation of, but no, we'll, we'll do a slow dance in the middle of the dance floor as the music swells and it'll be... <laughs> Yeah. They'll be convinced by the end of the night the friend route is not the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's Again. almost like all high school boys are kind of just idiots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, not kind of like that, but kind of uh, like yeah. that. Yeah. That's fair. It's a good assessment. This is so fascinating because it truly is like the opposite side uh, perspective of of something that I would bring to this show, right? Um, where where I would be lamenting the like the dance that never amounted to anything, and yet this is this is a very more I guess nuanced. Like you said, there's there there's like the the bittersweet struggle that you're having with a friendship lost and yet a really sour breakup and. Um. Yeah, it's it's not a good poem, but you can see all the stuff there. <laughs> it is definitely not. But yeah, I mean, the story when you heard the story, it, it at least makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's at least grounded in reality rather than in John Hughes films. Yes, although don't knock John Hughes, man. He's my he's my homie. <laughs> I love that guy. I'm from Chicago. Okay, I just watched Sixteen Candles last night. Don't cross man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting that you take um, smell, feel, and then you go to taste. It's like, I don't know. It took me out of the poem immediately because I just saw you like crunching on this old dried out. Yeah, no, totally. It's like, okay. The thing is, is it's like, you know, 
you're getting the message in workshop, show, don't tell, show, don't tell, right? So you're bringing these senses in and yeah, maybe it doesn't make sense, but you know what? I'm goth and emo. So maybe I can eat a rose. Okay. Like maybe that is like what we do. Like you just never know. I mean, my thinking at the time was, I mean, I, I, I dated the guy from high school. So my thinking at the time was clearly not excellent. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Another literal detail. I don't know why I'm being such a literalist tonight. Um, but was the rose on a yellow ribbon? Do you remember? No, actually, so the ribbon was yellowed. Like, okay, see, I don't know. Oh. Maybe you don't know this, like, because you haven't worn corsages. But, like, the, the, the elastic is really, like, cheap and gross. And so basically, and like, you're like a sweaty teenager. And so you, you get it sweaty and then it's elastic already. And then your mom throws it in the freezer. And so then like that combination just leads to like grossness, yellowy thing. Sure. No. <laughs> you know? Okay. I totally understand that. Yeah. The yellowed pit stains of, of undershirts. <laughs> Just, yeah, that's, that that's was the image that you was, brought to mind. Sorry, Sansa is where I put the the corsage under my armpit and contemplate <laughs> that meaning. Oh, man. That would go right before the stands about tasting it. By the yes. way, <laughs> now I'm getting those weird notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about. Um, your 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 current project sure this is uh titled head of a gorgon and i think some of the themes we've been talking about kind of play into the themes that you're experimenting with with this work if i've understood some of the stuff i've read about it um just that struggle of a female perspective in a male-dominated world yeah for sure um and and much more amplified because it's really uh looking at uh, the sexual violence component of mm. the myth, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, the, the myth of Medusa, that's pretty central. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a feminist re-envisioning. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's all of those things, but also this kind of more important component than like, say high school dances and stupid boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I, I will say I am a, a bit of a classicist. But coming from a white male perspective, when you go online and you talk about classics, you get a very one note perspective and it is often laced with white supremacy, laced with uh, patriarchy, centered on the, the myth of great men. And there's a lot, of, a lot of really cool things going on in the uh, study of classics where people are starting to realize, oh, maybe our Western canon, our Western understanding isn't actually good for this. Maybe this is detrimental. So having these re-envisionings and showing just the problematic nature of these stories and how it's been ignored for literally centuries, millennia, um, and just putting a not a spin on the story, but putting an accurate reading on what it means to be uh, a human being, whether it's <clears throat> thousands of years ago in a myth or still today, a lot of these themes are still prevalent. Um, oh yeah, very much so. Um, and you know, I, I do wanna say, I mean, I, I definitely took liberties with my oh, yeah. reimagining, yeah. um, but 
uh, that being said, you know, that there are, um, you know, there's definitely a, a, a concerted effort to have these poems be mostly um, in her voice from her perspective, first person perspective. Um, usually when you read, you know, that that's what I, fi I find interesting about a lot of Greek mythology is, you know, when you're hearing a story, it, even about a, a female character, it's still centered around dudes. Yeah. So like if I say Medusa, people either say Perseus mm -hmm. or Poseidon. And it's like, uh, no, like, let's talk about Medusa. I mean, yes, right. those, those characters are part of that story and an important part of that story given the the sexual violence component of her story but but you know we don't hear a lot about her yeah. outside of she's a monster and she turns people to stone okay but why did that happen and how did that myth and what it intended to uh teach people about life womanhood mm -hmm. uh a woman, woman's sexual desire, potentially a man's sexual desire, definitely. Um, you know, and because I think when we talk about myths, what, no matter how old or current they are, that's that's their purpose, right? They're they're there to instruct. Mm -hmm. They're there to indoctrinate. And so, when we we look at those stories, we have to take that into to consideration. Like, okay, this story was crafted specifically to tell women they would be punished in multiple ways for their, for any form of sexual desire. And even if they had no sexual desire, but a man had sexual desire for her. Like that's a huge message to be giving people. I mean, I don't know who, like what age people were being taught about Medusa in Greek times. But I mean, if you were telling that story to kids, like that's a, that's a, that's a pretty severe major uh, life lesson that you probably weren't ready for. Um, but, but that is very, uh, it's very direct and it's very uh, severe. I mean, kind of like the original Grimm's fairy tales kind of mm, stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like the real dark versions Yeah. Um, where, you know, kids die and stuff. Um, you know, and, and from that perspective, you know, that is reality. You know, kids do die. Women do get raped. Men do mm. rape. Like, I mean, not just men, but men. Majority. Primarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's like 90 plus percent. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, th there, there are realities but but what these stories, how they were in some cases originally fashioned, um, it's it's more to kind of you know to your point about patriarchy, enforce patriarchy, enforce patriarchy, enforce power and control over women, um, and and to 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 instill fear yeah. in one side of the equation, right? Mm. So yeah, yeah. That I mean that really gets into just how we understand the progression and i say with big air quotes the progression yeah. of time we we like to think that we've progressed so far but these myths still speak to us because we still inhabit that same space we still yeah. understand them from that same perspective which is an issue um, and i want to pick up on that because you said you took liberties with the story which I know 
there will be plenty of people who will complain because it's, you know, the current world we live in, someone will find complaints somewhere. But that's how those stories were used then. Like my my favorite story from uh from classical uh, from the classical Greek period is the Oresteia, which oh, I, was I like. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's six different versions of it that still survive to this day that are entirely different. It's about the same people, but it's an entirely different story. Um, and I think that taking those liberties is how we reimagine and actually grow in our understanding of what these stories can teach us. Um, yeah, basically you, you have a choice of, do I want the story to say the same thing that it's always been saying and to reinforce that fear and control or do I want to go in a different direction? And I mean, obviously as a feminist, I, you know, wanted to go in a different direction. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm also a cis het white female. So mm -hmm. this is just one feminist perspective. Uh -huh. So, yeah. um, you know, it's important to, you know, look at things from an intersectional perspective as well. Absolutely. Um, and while race doesn't figure prominently in my work, you know, I think that there are other people, other writers out there um, who, I mean, there's plenty of poems about Medusa actually by, you know, people of color as well. Yeah. I don't know about whole collections per se. I, I only know of, of specific individual poems, right. but I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if, if there are other re-envisionings and re-imaginings, you know, from a not white chick perspective. Right, yeah. Well, it has been an honor talking with you and Oh, thank you. And thank you for your truly awful poems. Yes, anytime. <laughs> yeah, you are welcome back. If you have binders, <laughs> we will hear them. <laughs> so, awesome. But here at My Bad Poetry, we do try and end each week with the words of a true poet. And uh, we've been talking about your, your current work. So would you be willing to share one of your actual poems with us to close this out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, like, I, I find it interesting, like, real poet or, like, true poet. <laughs> I mean, basically, just, I just call myself that, I guess. Like, you know, I mean, what is real? What is true? What is good? What is bad? You know, all that stuff. Like, I mean. Well, that's what you define as a poet. Right. 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 Like, no, because the thing is, it's like, I'm going to read you one of these poems from this book, right? And, you know, some people are going to hear it and they're going to be like, I also think this is hot garbage. And that's completely legitimate. That is like a completely legitimate response. If that, you know, I see my own personal growth as a writer, and this is going in the direction that I want to go in, and it's not for it's not going to be for everybody. Um, but that being said, you know, uh, it's I would like to think an improvement over mossy ears and uh, <laughs> yellow armpit corsage. <laughs> so, if you thought in this room was goth and emo, like wait until this poem. Nice. Um, because this is this is really sort of the, I mean it's called note from the nadir and nadir is basically the a low point that's for those that aren't unfamiliar with the term hmm. um, and so this is so in my re envisioning there are actually multiple predators of Medu of Medusa not just uh, Poseidon but sure. an unnamed snake so um, 
So when you come into this poem, that that's a little bit of decent background to have mm -hmm. um, when you hear her perspective at this low point. So this is note from the nadir. No savior awaits. These men are predators and every girl doomed to be consumed by their smoke and mirrors. I'm testing the edges of shards with my hand, guessing the distance between cold silver, steaming red. My life's been a feast of smoke and mirrors. Best to slice through that meat with my own hand, put some distance between real and pretend. Now that I know the hero I sought will never reach me, doesn't exist. Can I cut through illusion with my own two hands as swiftly and easily as my head sopped up what was fed? I'm certain the dream I chased never existed. There is no great epiphany. Yet my head still ingested what was fed. What can you do when part of the problem is you? You'd think there'd be some epiphany, that the equation could be worked out in one's head, but there's nothing you can do when the problem is you. Can you solve the problem of your head? Can you solve that problem with your head? Try to solve any problem in your head when the root of the problem is you. No savior awaits. These men are all the same. That problem lives in and beyond my brain. So thank goodness for sharp shards, steadfast hands. Wow. <laughs> that is powerful. <sighs> well, and we, I mean, we talked about the kind of universality of those, uh, those high school emotions and a little more hard to, uh, or a little more difficult to identify with a story so unfamiliar, you know? It's not something we hear every day, but you can hear these words. These men are predators and every girl doomed to be consumed by their smoke and mirrors. It feels like you can read that ripped from headlines. Mm. And that is so horrifically terrifying. Yeah, I mean, that's that that's exactly my point. <laughs> I mean, that's like nail on the head. It's like there has been no progress, really. Um, and that's just calling it out. I am really excited to read this book because that that just strikes me to my core. That is amazing. So for those of you listening, um, Head of the Gorgon comes out at the, um, you said towards the end of this month or? Yeah, so right now it's at the printers. So it it's will be printers. out this month. Um, and I, I don't know that it will make the exact date of uh, May 17th. That was the original release date, but it, it's at the printers. Lots of things are happening with supply chain and stuff right now. And sure. it, it just is what it is. So yeah. um, it will be out soon. Very cool. Well, this has been My Bad Poetry. Now go write some of your own bad poetry and share it with your workshop. Support <laughs> your people with it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Keep it in binders. Keep it in binders for the rest of your life. Rhyme free, Rhyme free does matter. Does matter.